Good morning, Ohio. It's James Lewis of This Dream House, the show that's all about the house. Joining us today is Chef Ken Durbin, the at-home chef. Ken, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. This is great. We're excited about having you on the show. What does it mean to be an at-home chef? Well, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, a lot of people think, you know, or they are home chefs. It's usually one person in the family always cooks, right? There's Mm -hmm. the husband may cook, the wife who cook. uh, There may be one of the kids that loves to cook, but there's always a at-home chef. Um, Basically, when I started my business, I wanted to not only just cook food for people in their home, but also create an experience, uh, something that would create memories, something that would, um, you know, make it extra special to actually dine in your home. A lot of people just eat in their home, but to actually enjoy themselves. uh, And that's really the essence of what the at-home chef is, is creating memories that, uh, you know, people will remember for years and years. That is awesome. I was going to say that is always a great thing when you can give people an experience that uh, transcends just the traditional uh, meal. When and where did you first become interested in cooking? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, When I was a child, um, my parents tended we're very busy working. My dad um, actually had his own business. Uh, wasn't cooking, wasn't cooking related, but it was a business that kept him very busy. And my mom uh, worked uh, uh, during the day, and I had a sister who was five years younger than me, and my parents would buy simple things for us to eat during the day, and it would just drive me crazy. You know, frozen pizzas, uh, uh, <laughs> TV dinners, that kind of thing from the 80s. Uh, and... I wanted more. I want. I, there's got to be something that tastes better than this thing I just put into the microwave eight times because it won't heat up properly. So I started experimenting in that kitchen. Uh, they bought me this little uh, electric skillet that I could, you know, work in, do different things. Um, <laughs> I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with uh, Hamburger Helper. Uh, that, that That's really where I started kind of – you know, oh, this does not taste good. Okay, well, let's try to do this, do this. And then my dad, when I got to a certain age, uh, we went and visited my grandmother up in Pennsylvania, and that's really where I learned to cook from scratch. Um, Someone that lived in a very small little apartment but could turn out, you know, everything from scratch, a full Thanksgiving dinner, no problem, uh, all from scratch, great unbelievable tasting and uh the other part was that she had fun doing it and i would just sit and stare at her and occasionally ask her questions and really that's what got me excited about the hob at that point it was just a hobby for me to cook because i believe that cooking is a great life skill if nothing else you don't have to make a living at it but to be able to cook for yourself or other people is a skill, and I, I think it's a great way to show uh, affection to, to each other. And uh, um, that's really watching my grandmother cook was really the first time I had ever seen uh, someone cook from scratch. And uh, that really just once I saw that, once I started understanding 
different things, that's really when that love began. Definitely, I agree with you. It is a very important skill. Uh, unfortunately, one that they no longer really teach at school, which they uh, they should go back to doing that. Absolutely, I I agree with that. I think uh, you know a lot of kids get out of uh, you know the, out of the mom and dad uh, situation, and and they get out. And I get a lot of messages online. You know, hey, I want to make this, or where do I buy this, or you know this and that. But um, I think that's changing a little bit with the food culture that's been created on TV and on social media. Um, I think people are now a little bit more aware of what, you know, possibilities that they can make. But, you know, every dinner, every night, especially for yourself or for another person, doesn't have to be a, a five-star fine dining experience. Um, it just it needs to nourish you. Uh, and, you know, in a way that, that makes you feel accomplished, like, hey, I made that. You know, look at me. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, it's in, you know if, if you are in a situation where you're by yourself, um, you know, you can find yourself going to to a lot of like carry out, you know, and getting those you're getting a lot of carry out meals where, you know, cooking for yourself not only saves you money, but you know, it saves you time. You can make sure you know what's going into your body and what you're nourishing yourself with. So on a lot of levels it's really important that um you, you learn how to at least do basic cooking skills. Definitely. So tell us about your grandmother's kitchen. Was it gas? Was it electric? <laughs> it was very small. Um, this is a one-bedroom apartment on a ground floor. Uh, you know, she was retired at the time, um, and uh, she moved up to Pennsylvania to be closer to her sister. And it was real small. I mean, it's, this is no big kitchens like I cook in and, you know, they have 14-foot islands and stuff, you know. This was, uh, you know, so you walked right in the sliding door and you walked through and she had a little table up against the wall. Her couch was there and then a little table. And then there was her in the kitchen and then every, you know, it was electric stove and every every uh, stovetop there, everything's being used, you know. And then she not only did, like, cooking a meals, but she would also, in, like, her bedroom, uh, have, you know, during Christmas time, over 25 different uh, tins with cookies in them. So she would, while we were not there, like before we come, she would have all these tins of cookies that she would make for everybody. And, uh, yeah, it was always a struggle. My dad and I would always try to sneak in there to get cookies, and uh, we uh, we get scolded. But, uh, yeah, it was a very small, um, but... You know, that didn't, that wasn't what it meant, you know. What it meant was uh, sharing a meal and that, that idea of those memories that I have that are very vivid to this day is kind of what, you know, propelled me into doing my business and what my business tries to do, what I try to do for my clients every single time that I cook for them. Where did you get your professional training? Well, I didn't go to culinary school until I was 36 years old, so... My whole time, I, I had worked at Fidelity Investments, and uh, I used to stare out the window next to my office there, and I'm just like, you know, one of these days I should cook. You know, I really like to cook. And one day, <clears throat> I just decided to go to uh, the Midwest Culinary Institute 
at Cincinnati State, which is located in downtown Cincinnati there. They were having an open house, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go down there. So I went down there, and I was walking around, and I started looking at the big, uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but the, the kitchen there, and um, just it felt right. You know, I started talking to the uh, chef instructors and, and the people there, and I realized that this is the community of people that I probably should have been with way back when I was graduating high school, um, but maybe had, to be honest, maybe a little apprehension or fear that I wouldn't, you know, stack up or I wouldn't be good enough for my, you know. So I, I really had it always in the back of my mind, but I kind of put it off. But at the age of 36, I left my job at Fidelity and went to go work or go to school at the Midwest Culinary Institute. That's really where I, I got all my skills. I got a chance to work with master chefs that are instructors there. I, I got an opportunity to work with a lot of great people. And, um, and while I was there, um, I would say the, the schooling part is very important. But I think even more important is the practical skills you learn there, you know, your accuracy, your speed. Uh, the cor- correct use of creativity with the dish. And through all that, that together kind of molded what I would say my professional, uh, you know, time there at the school. I enjoyed every single day. And as a matter of fact, I never did get, there's two different, you know, that you can get like your, your, uh, your degree in like the culinary part or and and or the baking part. And I trust me, I thought about going back and doing baking just to be there because I miss it so much. Um, it, it's just a great place to learn uh, and and uh, hone your skills. And, and I wouldn't say, um, you know, you still need to. I worked at the, the Summit restaurant there for a year. Uh, and um, that really, I would say, learning stuff in the classes and then being able to implement them uh, into a practical situation, which they, they do there, uh, I think is a winning combination. And that's why I would say that, that the Midwest Culinary Institute where I went was just absolutely fantastic. So you had mentioned earlier about Thanksgiving and just you know making people feel at home. If you were to host uh, Thanksgiving yourself, what would you serve? Well, interesting enough, uh, I do host Thanksgiving every year. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a uh, you know, kind of what the uh, family kind of just expects. They just ask what time they need to come over, um, and if they quote unquote uh, need to bring anything, which you know, that's usually like a bottle of wine or something because it's definitely not the food. Um, you know, we have a couple different traditions uh, in our family. Um, that we like to do. We have a smaller family. Um, it's getting bigger. I got some new nieces and nephews, but for um, pretty much a small situation. So what we try to do is really focus in on not making so much food that you kill yourself the day of Thanksgiving. Uh, but I would say our family is kind of traditional. Uh, we don't really go outside. The 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 my my family knows I'm a chef. They they know what I do. But when it comes, they'll always say, "Ken, just 
don't you don't need to fancy it up. <laughs> Just make it, and you know we'll enjoy it. And um, so we have a very traditional uh, Thanksgiving. One thing we do make in my wife's recipe. She's from the um, uh, Panhandle in Texas, and her family made this um, stuffing that we make every year. And the recipe is her great grandmother's, which would make. It, it, the recipe dates over 100 years, and, you know, not everybody in the family likes it because some of the ingredients are unusual. They were just what was available at that time uh, in the panhandle of Texas. And and making that, um, I think that's one of our, our big traditions. Um, our other tradition is that we try to go around the table before we eat and talk about what we're grateful for. And... Uh, I think that kind of can get missed sometimes. It can get missed by me because I'm really focused on the food. Um, but, you know, we, we try to do that, and it's it's always a really fun part of the dinner experience to, to kind of hear what everyone's grateful for. Um, I mean, we do turkey. Uh, we do uh, whipped garlic mashed potatoes. We do a cornbread stuffing. Then we do our, our uh, panhandle stuffing, we call it. Um, we'll do, I'll do green beans. My mom has to have green bean casserole. Um, I don't care. I know. I don't care so much for green bean casserole. Uh, I do have a recipe on my website at theathomechef.com. Someone asked me as a chef, if I had to make it, my life was on the line and I had to make it, how would I make it? Uh, you can go on to theathomechef.com in the search bar. You can I'll post it. Uh, I'll post it in the next week on social media on my Facebook page. But it's my interpretation of the green bean casserole. And then uh, we do uh, some rolls. We usually get uh, butter rolls either from Cervantes or, or wherever. And uh, then there, then my sister usually brings over some desserts, and we'll have maybe uh, pecan pie and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, pretty pretty standard actually. <laughs> sounds nice. It sounds uh, sounds delicious. Are appetizers a good idea at uh, Thanksgiving? You know, that's a great question because a lot of people, I think, I've been to Thanksgivings before where you walk in and it's kind of like every single person brings something. So you're, like, looking around and there's an entire table of, like, skyline dip, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, all kinds of different, you know, you know, the things that it's uh, salsa, guacamole, like everything's there, you know, uh, a vegetable tray. Cause some, somebody wants a vegetable tray and you have all this food. Um, I would say for Thanksgiving, uh, maybe you have one thing, uh, maybe two things, but it, I always say my rule of thought, and this is how I cook for my clients when they want appetizers before their dinner, especially our dinners are usually three to four courses long. I usually say just something that everyone can enjoy, like um, a, a cheese and our charcuterie board. Um, I get mine made for me, luckily, uh, because they're so awesome from Share Cheese Bar in uh, Pleasant Ridge. Uh, and uh, that's a nice choice, goes great with wine. There's an, an incredible variety in those uh, as far as vegetables. It, it kind of takes everything that was on that big table and puts them on a board. Uh, and I use my rule of thumb is three bites per person. So if you're going to have two, 10 people, you have 30 bites, you know. There might be that one uncle that's just hammering down, you know, the stuffed mushrooms or something like that. Uh, and, but 
for the most part, uh, three bites. I say two appetizers. If you can do a charcuterie board, you can do, uh, you know, another item that somebody wants. You know, you kind of have to know your audience, too. If you have a vegetarian or, 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 or something or someone who is, you know, has dietary needs, which is always important to know. I mean, most people, but sometimes in bigger families, somebody might have a new boyfriend, girlfriend. It's always good to just kind of know. You don't want to put something out that they can't have. Um, but you don't want to get all caught up in things. So when I think of Thanksgiving, I don't think of appetizers, right? I think mm-hmm. about the turkey, the gravy, the man. I mean, the hard hitters, right? The the, the starting lineup, right? Uh, uh, and that's really what your focus should be on. But with that said, if you got 25 people coming to your house, you're probably going to need some some bites, and that's why I say two. If you if you got a large crowd, maybe three. But you certainly don't want this like because uh, what happens is people are eating on this and this and this, and by the time they get to dinner, they're like. I can't eat a, because I mean, you, you eat Thanksgiving, even if you don't eat anything for the whole day, if you eat Thanksgiving dinner, you're like, oh my gosh, I, I got to lay down, you know? So you certainly, I would say I would want to enjoy the Thanksgiving dinner versus anything you really put out for an appetizer. I mean, that's just me. <laughs> now, when it comes to the sides, I'm sure there are some that go better together and that there's some that probably should never be on the same table. Uh, what would you recommend? You know, it's interesting. I've been noticing in the last few years, a lot of people have been trying different ethnic uh, sides. And I, I think that is a great uh, trend that I, that I hope just keeps on and, and evolves um, because there's just, it's if, if kind of like your family's like, you know, we're kind of tired of this. We're kind of tired of that. Can you change it up a little bit? Um, there's great choices for that. But I would say, you know, a traditional uh, side is going to be like mashed potatoes. I use French beans when I make green beans. I blanch them. And then before I'm serving, I just saute them with some garlic Um uh, you know, a little butter, salt, and pepper, and I just put them in a platter. Um, they hold their crunch because you blanch them, shock them, and put them in the uh, saute pan. I like the green beans a little crunch. Um, some people make stewed green beans. Those are fantastic, too, uh, with some ham and, and maybe onion. Um, then there is the green bean casserole with the funions on top. And, you know, uh, some people, and that is, you know, I ate that. Every year as a child, my grandmother made that, and it was great. You know, I loved it, but I just now I can't bring myself to eat a a more traditional one. I can make one if my mom says, Kenny, I want green bean casserole. I'm making green bean casserole, right? Um, I would say, too, uh, like sweet potato. uh, Some type of variant of sweet potatoes are always so good. Um, Add that little bit of sweetness on the plate when when you kind of have your – you know, you have to have a strategy when you go into the Thanksgiving dinner plate, you know, and, you know, the turkey, the gravy, you, you know, you, you got to use a big plate, I think. <laughs> and uh, sweet potatoes are great. There's really great sweet potato casserole um, recipes. Um, I like uh, root vegetables like carrots, parsnips, um, just roasted in the oven really nice. Um, that's really nice. Um but a lot of people have some fantastic sides. I would keep, 
you know, your sides down, not too crazy, you know, because everyone's competing for real estate on that plate. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to – you don't want to make it crazy. You know, you make too much food, and then you're, everybody leaves, and then you're like, I'm looking over at my wife like, oh, my God, we could do two more dinners here. You know, I've done that before, and I've scaled it back to make sure that I don't have these crazy amount of leftovers. Because uh, you know the holiday season can pack on the pounds, and, <laughs> and uh, you know you got to watch it. But um, as far as size, I think mashed potatoes, green beans, sometimes sweet p- uh, potato. Uh, you have to definitely make the gravy, which is very important. Um, but uh, you don't get too crazy. There's great recipes out there um, for all kinds of different things that you can find. Um, but uh, I wouldn't have very many unless you have a bigger crowd. Then you might want to do that, but. Keep it simple, I think, is the major key on the sides. It sounds like there's a lot of great choices out there. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love asking uh, business owners is to tell us about your team that uh, that works with you. <laughs> is it just Absolutely. you or is there a team? <laughs> well, yes, it is uh, me who does the cooking. Um, I do all the cooking, uh, in, in, and that's not because I'm like a control freak, but you know, the scale in which I have to cook. I don't do, like, large-scale wedding catering. It's just groups of usually 15 or under. It's played at dinners. And uh, honestly, as a business owner, the cooking part is the fun part for me. Uh, 80% of my time is not cooking as a business owner. So when I get an opportunity to cook, like I do this weekend, I, I really can't wait to get my get get in the kitchen and do it. Um, I just, uh, I enjoy, um, I enjoy the cooking and, uh, that's because I don't really get an opportunity to do that. Usually I'm on, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, talking to clients or doing other marketing things. I do all my social media myself too. Um, I do have some people who do help me. Uh, my wife, who is a 50% owner in the business, uh, actually, after she works her uh, full-time job, uh, it comes and helps me on the weekends. And um, she, luckily, is extremely organized, and uh, she's able to really keep everything nice. And, okay, here we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. So while I'm doing the cooking, she's arranging everything, make sure we have everything that we need to take with us and keeps it on a good timeline. Plus, she runs and gets things day of uh, that we may have ordered. Um, then I have, over time, used different people as far as a wait staff. I have a group of people that I can contract in uh, and hire uh, to help me with that. One of my main uh, people that do that is her name's Jill, and uh, she's and we've worked so closely together over the last probably four years with Jill uh, that really we it's like a fine oil machine, you know, it's it's just really, really easy to work with her. Um, but I also have, you know, uh, when I think of team, I also think of the vendors that help me out. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I think of them all as my team, everybody that helps me out with my business. But it's a pretty small operation, uh, you know, uh, there may there is uh, some talk uh, between my wife and I to try to free up 
some time where I'm not cooking and the things that I'm doing when I'm not cooking to uh, maybe bring somebody on in the new year. Um, but um, right now, it's, it's a pretty small operation. Well, it sounds great. I mean, it, it sounds like that you really give your customers a uh, fine dining experience, something that they're going to remember, something that'll, uh, you know, be uh, very enjoyable and a great experience. So before we let you go, where on social media, where on the web, how can they uh, get a hold of you? How can they sign up with you? Absolutely. Um uh, there's two different places where I'm mainly uh, housed. Uh, one is uh, Instagram. If you're on, on Instagram, I am at Chef Ken. Very simple. Um, and there you can – I have a link there that you can go into, and it gives you my website. You can click the book, which if you want – if you're interested in a date, uh, uh, it, I would say that um, I'm just now starting the book for January, February, March. I just opened up those dates. Um and those are, I had someone yesterday already asked me about Valentine's Day. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but uh, Instagram at Chef Ken, uh, my website at www.thehomechef.com, uh, and on Facebook as thehomechef.com. And those are my main areas uh, that people can get a hold of me, uh, or you can just simply give me a phone call at 859 640 6958. Excellent, Ken. We've enjoyed having you on the show. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Appliance Factory of Mattress Kingdom is your kitchen appliance headquarters. Save 30 to 60% every day on everything from LG and GE to KitchenAid and Samsung. If you're considering upgrading your home appliances or mattresses, stop at any one of Appliance Factory of Mattress Kingdom locations. Plus, Mattress Kingdom inside Appliance Factory has largest Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and COE selection. Visit ApplianceFactory.com. Good morning, Ohio. James Lewis, this dream house, the show that is all about the house. Joining us today is Katie Marshall from Stoneworks Lettering and Design. Katie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, James. What is Stoneworks Lettering and Design? Well, Stoneworks Lettering and Design originally started as a monument engraving business. We have been in business for about 20 years, and we do all kinds of monuments from monuments in cemeteries to signs to sidewalks, commercial properties, pretty much anything you can imagine that would require us to cut stone. So it sounds like a wide variety of items that you can do. Absolutely. How did you get started? Um, my father-in-law started the business, um, and my husband joined him a few years later. And this past year, we purchased a large um, laser engraving machine to start adding um, portraits to the things that we can offer. Um, I lost my uh, position as a grower at a local farm at the beginning of this year. So I took over the laser engraving process and realized that there were so many other things that I could do with it. So we started kind of adding some more creative products to our list. Awesome. That is always good when you have a versatility and can do a wide variety of things. So what is your artistic process like? Um, well, on outside of the, the monuments, um, with our uh, more 
customer-oriented goods. Um, most of the time we have a lot of custom orders requests. Um, so we spend a lot of time talking to a customer, whether it's a corporate gift package, um, firearms. We do pretty much anything that we can mark on with our laser or cut with our laser. Um, we we can do anything. So a lot of times it's just speaking with our customers and trying to come up with a good design and an idea for what they want. We send them a proof after we've come up with something. Um, and sometimes we just come up with things on our own. We take a look at design trends, um, you know, that are that are popular. Um, we look through Pinterest and Instagram and all those things and, and find stuff that people are, you know, really kind of interested in. And we try and put our own kind of spin on it. Where on social media, where on the web, where can our listeners find more out about you? Um, absolutely. We are on Facebook. We have um, our business pages, Stoneworks Lettering. Um, and then we also have a website um, that's mainly at, currently <laughs> we've run out. We haven't had a lot of time this year because we've been so busy. Um, but our website, you can kind of see some examples of some of the things that we do, and that's stoneworkslettering.com. Um, you can reach out through Facebook or through our website to us personally, and we're happy to work directly with our customers. And then you can also visit our Etsy shop at Stone uh, Stoneworks Lettering on Etsy. Sounds great. Katie, it sounds like you're going to make a lot of our listeners happy for the holidays, given those special one-of-a-kind gifts. Absolutely. I hope so. I love I love to make things special for people. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, James. You have a great day.